Welcome to Our Certain Point of View, where your hosts, Jim and Tim, will bring you newly, weekly discussions about the Star Wars universe. Our Certain Point of View is a fan-based podcast and has no connections with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. We are. All right. I am Jim. And I'm Tim. And we are here to discuss The Mandalorian. Finally, we have made it to uh, what Disney is calling Chapter One, which is the first episode of the series, The Mandalorian. And it is uh, really the main motive factor behind creating this podcast. So today, while it is our Episode 10 podcast, it is really, uh, it's really the beginning for us, isn't it? Chapter One. I think so. Yeah. So, Tim, let's start right now. Uh, this is what I want to ask you right from the get-go. Well, do, do we got news? I'm so excited. I just want to launch right into There it is. There launch it is. right into The Mandalorian. Yeah. But um, I guess we need to stay with our form. There's really no news to cover, I don't think. Nothing big um, has come since. Uh, we're not going to have our Mandalorian section at the end, like usual. So I will say this. Uh, episode two, or what we're assuming will be called Chapter Two, Chapter Two comes out Friday. According to the um, the poster looking thing that Disney Plus put out with their dates, they are just calling them chapters one through eight. So yep. yeah, so Chapter Two comes out Friday. So that's our news. Uh, I I asked Shasta the Mandalorian if he had anything that we could shout out for him, and he said he did not. He said that he's completely satisfied with the life he has lived. And his entire uh, joy is found in just engineering this program for us. Yeah, that's that's the way I understood it. And that was what I wanted to hear from Shasta. Um, so thank you, Shasta. Um, any other news? Let's just head on the countdowns. Let's I just want to get to uh, I want to get to the Mandalorian. I will say this: uh, if you like the show, please leave us a five star review on iTunes. A lot of y'all been doing that, and I appreciate it. Um, we've had a big bump in listeners already. And that's very, very exciting. So uh, Tim and I are committed to trying to give you the best show we can. And uh, this is just exciting. Today, what is today's date? The 11, uh, of November what? November 14th. It's the 14th of November. Yeah. And tomorrow, that means we get our second episode of The Mandalorian, Chapter 2. Let's do our countdowns, though. Yeah. Now, that's not all that's happening tomorrow. Tomorrow, we November fifteenth is November fifteenth is the release of Jedi Fallen Order, and I feel like I need to shell out what is that sixty dollars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixty, I, sixty to seventy. Man. Yeah, it's it's up but there. I, um, and, if you uh, pre-ordered, my understanding is GameStop might be holding an event this evening, not this evening, tonight after close, where you can actually go and pick up. So, pre-order people, you already know that. Not pre-order people. That's me. We'll have to wait until Friday. I did get Days Gone for PS4, and that arrived yesterday, and I yeah. got up at 4 a.m. this morning and started playing it. Side note. Yeah. Um, I'm also losing my voice, so uh, that's why I kind of sound the way I do. And uh, I got a nice hot cup of tea here with honey, so from time to time you're going to hear a disturbing sipping sound. Yeah. <sighs> that's me trying to be able to talk. All right, so we're one day away from Jedi Fallen Order. Hey. How f- what? You spilled my drink. <laughs> right, this sorry, little one's not on. worth your trouble. <laughs> um, wait a minute. No, that was from the episode. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, December 19th. How many days? 35. Rise of Skywalker, 35 days away. It is getting so close. Oh, that's just over a month away. Yeah. yeah. Clone Wars, season seven at the most? At the most, 107 days away. Who's uh, who's directing it? Who's in charge of Clone Wars? Say Dave Filoni. Oh, it's Dave Filoni. It's Dave Filoni. Yeah. And we're going to talk about him a little bit uh, more here. Star Wars Day, May the 4th is 172 days away, and Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim, California, August 27th, 2020. 287 days 287 away. 87 days. Still no news on Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series, um, other than it exists. And now we are done with our countdowns, and we are ready to talk about Chapter 1, The Mandalorian. Absolutely. Um, so right. let's talk a little meta first. Let's talk about Disney release. Let's you want to do, do that? that? Yeah. Because I got up. Uh, Tim and I discussed, when are we going to watch this the first time? I'm like, I'm waiting till midnight. And when midnight, you know, November 12th hits, I'm going to watch this thing. And then fortunately, Tim contacted me before midnight and said, uh, might as well sleep in because they weren't going to release until 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I believe. That's what it said. And uh, I didn't test that theory because at six, about 6.30, I got up and watched it. That's funny because they actually released at 5.30 a.m. Ah, so yeah, I, I, I had missed it by an hour. So, yeah, I watched it at 6.30 a.m. on... Uh, on Tuesday, then I tried to watch it again. Actually, I just tried to open it up on my computer about uh, two or three hours later, and it shut down. Yep, Disney I, Plus was down for a while. Yeah, so I um, guess they got overwhelmed because it wouldn't open on my phone or or on my computer. So. Yeah, and you know, some people are saying, well, they didn't know what was coming. They, everyone knew what was coming. Uh, the difference is Disney hasn't had a streaming service before, so what happens? They, what, what they have to learn how to manage it, and the only way to do that is through the experience. So they've so, had the experience, and now we haven't had any issues since. That happened and said, by Tuesday night, yeah, no problem. Um, I was at home with the kids watching, well, my youngest watched The Mandalorian with me. My oldest watched The Aristocats with me. Yeah, everybody wants to be a cat. Yeah, we went um, to Jungle Book with the youngest, too. I went uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I, uh, what else did I watch? Oh, they got Black Hole, the Black Hole. Have you seen that? Yeah. You well, have? Now, and you're, watched, a, you're a youngin' to have seen that one. Yeah. It's worth watching if you haven't seen it. But um, yeah, so I, I think the rollout the, actually went really well. It did. It did. Um, you know, and my plan for The Mandalorian was Mandalorian. to watch uh, After School with my oldest. Um, and because we weren't sure how exactly it was going to go, I watched it earlier, uh, around the uh, 640 hour, somewhere in, somewhere in the 6 o'clock hour. I think it was around 640 I started watching it. So I watched it a little earlier because I wanted to make sure it was age appropriate. I found out that for one of my younger kids, not age appropriate. It for my oldest, what? it was okay. Um, so I did watch it early, and then I watched it around three-ish with my oldest, and then I watched it around eight or nine with my wife. So I, we've had a few viewings. So yeah, I've seen it in all four times at this point, and it's working. Right, everything is fine at it's this okay. point with Disney Plus. Just so everybody's yeah, I'm liking the service so far. Yeah. Um, all right, so some of the meta aspects. First of all, let's let's get down to brass tacks. On a scale of one to five, one being I didn't like it, five being it was amazing, where do you place this? Are we ranking this with other Star Wars? Not or are we just, just as just a show, entertainment. Five. Five, I give it a five. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of broke this down into different categories. Um, so this episode was written by John Favreau. And it was directed by Dave, Dave Filoni. Filoni. Yep. So we got kind of the all-star team there. Yeah, um, 
And I think we saw that and just how good this episode was. And yes, I am going to gush over this. Um, I don't think Tim and I are the type of fans to, no matter what comes out, to say it's good. Um, so this is sincere. I really was this excited. I think Tim does have some issues with part of the episode. I have a little bit of issues here and there, but in general, incredible. Yeah, just a couple little things here and there, but nothing nothing major. Um, absolutely a... Yeah, So we got... The different aspects I want to talk about, the music, the effects, the acting, and the story. Um, so as we walk through the, uh, through the episode, we'll talk about all of these things and whatever comes to mind. Um, I will say this. It was full-on fan service. There were so many Easter eggs throughout this episode, and they're not like buried Easter eggs. I don't know what makes something an Easter egg so much as just a nod. Um, oh, my gosh, salacious crumb. Yeah, yeah, whatever that uh, creature is called, them um, eating those, that was awesome. There's so much of that throughout the series. Uh, yeah, and they didn't really, but it wasn't, it was there, but it was it was natural. Yeah, it, it fit. Yes. It was part of the Star Wars universe. Very and it well just said. fit. Um, and almost the way that the the E.T. creatures existed in the Senate. Yeah, it's just. In the prequels. Like, like it was okay. Like, you see that, and you're like, oh, oh, that, okay, yeah, they, they could have been from there. Like, it, it's okay. Um it was it was natural, but it was all there. There was so much fun stuff happening um, throughout the show, including in the background. Now, well, go ahead. We'll get on to the. Well, I think I'll we want to just go ahead and start. Um, so the very beginning. Yeah. Well, did you want to talk more about those specific aspects first? Well, I think we're going to talk about them as we go just throughout we go. it because okay. there's different times where I think the music stands out, different times yeah. where I think the effects stand out. Yeah, so when I was it, it was I was caught earlier. The, um, Jim came in and I was. Listening to the soundtrack. the soundtrack. He was like, oh, are you watching it? And I said, no, nah, just listening to the soundtrack. So I've got a lot to say about that, too. Um, so the very, very beginning, the first thing we see is the Disney Plus icon. And then we see yep. um, what I assume is a collection of helmets and droids all made out of Besker. That's the way I saw that. Like just that shiny Ooh, like that. silver, that, that chrome look. I assume they're all Besker. And well, you also mentioned to me that you thought it was a nod to the other franchise. Well, in kind of the way, I, th I think it's, I'm hoping it's going to be Star Wars new, like this is how, or Disney's new, this is how we introduce Star Wars stuff, the way that Marvel does with their comic strips. It, that's what, yeah, you yeah. said that to me and that I was like, oh, that does kind of got a Marvel feel to it, the way they flip through the different helmets. Yeah. But and I didn't was, think about the Besker. It's just, it is and just aren't, beautiful. Aren't we glad we listened to last week's podcast where we talked about Besker? Yeah. And how it made Mandalore uh, important, even though it wasn't, you know, big or necessarily rich in other resources, but Besker made it important. And here we are, very first episode, that's what we're looking at. Can I... Uh, Absolutely not. Can I give one of my concerns about the show that's throughout? Um, absolutely. What's your concern? This is Besker. Yeah, it is. Go ahead and check it out. Do you notice both people who tried to verify that it was Besker, they did one thing. Scratched it. They rubbed their thumb over it. Yeah. Just slid their thumb over it, and they're like, oh, it is Besker. It like, is Besker. So, uh, you know. And yeah. they were both Mandalorians, so maybe there's something else there that, you know, I don't... Wait, I don't know what they're actually. What the guy in the bar scratched his armor. Well, that was said. that was different. He goes, "Is this real?" And then scratched him, but they never verified or anything. He was just, yeah, being a jerk. So that uh, let's let's uh, let's go talk about that guy. Let's talk about yeah. ice planet whatever. Yeah, we don't know names of planets. That was that was interesting. We'll like, find uh, it out, I guess. But yeah, um, and so much of this material is new. 
So even the Wikipedias and there's so many fans out there that immediately fill in the blanks. But all this is like uh, there's so much that's new here. Um, all right, so we start with uh, our protagonist, I guess you'd call him, Maybe. the Mandalorian, um, on this ice planet, and he's uh, we find out he's on a mission. And he's got a bounty, yep. and he's gonna um, he's going after a guy who is a Mithril. Now they never give his name. Nope. Apparently his race or species is Mithril. Um, I assume you see his name in the on the bounty putt. We'll talk about pucks in a second, but there's a there's flashing above it. I don't know if that's cost or I name. can't read that. Yeah. But yeah, that's him. He says that's me. Um, so what's interesting to me? So we uh, we go into this bar, very cantina esque, um, as apparently all bars are in the uh, Star Wars galaxy, which I like because I mean that's kind of true. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and these guys are roughing up this uh, seemingly harmless blue guy, and they're what are they talking about doing to him? They're Taking talking about him apart, harvesting his organs, his yeah. glands. Um, this reminds me of, you know what happened to Greedo? I mean, after Han kills him. Oh, no. They harvested him, um, to create a drink. Rodians are actually valued, uh, what's the guy's name? Wooher? Uh, the guy who owns the cantina. Wur? Like, no, 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 it's it's W-U-H-E-R. Is this a new character thing again? Um... Well, this is just a backstory. If you go on the Wikipedia or StarWars.com, well, it's Wikipedia because it's Legends. Um, they talk about were. I think it's just pronounced were. Okay. Anyway, he uh, he takes uh, Greedo and he renders him into a drink for the huts. Um, and apparently the Rodians are desired for their tasty. Interesting. So apparently the, the uh, myth rules are tasty too, I guess. I don't know what they're planning on doing with this dude. But yeah. of course, we got a bit, uh, kind of a bait and switch here. We see these 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 ruffians, and we see a bounty hunter come in the room, and it kind of looks like initially maybe he's there for the ruffians, but he's not there for the ruffians at all. No, no. So uh, first thing, he walks in, and the guy yells at him right away. Right, that ruffian just you yells at him. Spilled my drink. You spilled my drink. Um, and it actually took me. It wasn't until my third watch that I noticed it didn't blow his drink over when he opened the door. No. He had spilled it earlier and was just... He did. ...throwing a fit. Which leads me to a question, like, why is this guy wanting to start a fight with a Mandalorian? Well, and he even refers to him, like, I feel like this guy is just... and I have that here, too. Because he's trying to start a fight. There's well, no goes, doubt about it. hey, Mando. Yeah, he knows. Right? Like, he doesn't even yeah. call him... He doesn't even say Mandalorian. Like, it It seems like... I found this an odd choice. He's just disrespectful Maybe he's, maybe and, he's dumb. Well, I think he's just... Don't. He's just a rage monster. Like he's just, yeah. just wants to fight anyone he can fight as much as he can. I, think I guess that that's the, the deal. You always want to fight the the toughest guy in the room kind of mentality. That's what and uh, when a Mandalorian did. walks in, that's, that's the toughest guy in the room, I guess. But yeah, for whatever reason, yeah, he he intentionally picks a fight with uh, with <laughs> uh, the Mandalorian, yeah. who's at this point we still haven't been told his name. Correct. Yeah. So meaning at the end of chapter one, we don't know this guy's name. Um, so uh, the bartender tries to soothe things by giving the guy a free drink. And that's when all uh, all heck breaks loose. Well, the Mandalorian doesn't let him get his drink. No, he, he stops, stops it. it. <laughs> and then he uh, elbows the dude, knocks out the dude against the bar. But uh, was the Mandalorian going to drink with his helmet on? I don't think he had any intention of drinking. I think no, he but he just, did. He kind of walked up to the bar as if he was going to order. He was, just, he was just measuring the room. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. That's what you call situational awareness, kids. Yeah, um, ninja yeah. style. 
ninja style. So I'll tell you. So I watched this. Like I said, it was like 630 in the morning. I'm getting ready for work. And, and I'm watching it and getting ready at the same time. Thank you, uh, Bluetooth headphones. And um, I see them. He breaks dude's arm and then stabs the guy in the back with his own knife. And then he grappling hooks the other guy and he gets chopped in two by the door. <laughs> and I immediately text him. I say, maybe not good for, for kids. And yeah. I mean little kids by this. Like, my, my 13-year-old's fine with this. but uh, Yeah, same with me. Yeah, but like if I had a 7 or 8-year-old, I'm, like, thinking, no, probably, maybe not. No. Um, so I was a little bit taken aback, in a good way, by the level of violence. I don't know what I expected when you make a show about Mandalorians. Well, and I'll tell you this. But they set the stage. For even an 8-year-old-ish. Yeah. Because um, I, have, I have kids in varying ages, and I my oldest is fine, and... One of my kids who's who's in that eight to ten range, um, I plan on watching it. Yeah, but just, just skipping a couple of scenes. Yeah, because it's not. It, it just. It's not like throughout they can't. So if you've seen the show, once you've watched it, you can watch it. Um, you, you know, pace that, it out and watch certain scenes and skip a couple of scenes and just explain. Hey, there was a fight. He won and got his bounty. And He's not afraid can, to use deadly force. You can you can leave it at that and just move on, yeah. and they're okay with it. Um, Chop dude in half. Yeah. No, don't say that. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. No, Squid maybe, man. Maybe don't say the chop. Especially because that guy was fleeing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there is like, that aspect, too. He was fleeing. There was At that point, there was not really, like, I mean, he did attack him. Like, they, they well, surrounded he, him, attacked him, and at that point, he was just. But the guy was leaving. But at that point, he was leaving. Yeah. But, but that guy started it. He started it, and I guess he had the whole... I mean, you know, the whole he had it coming thing, but he was, he was definitely free. Uh, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he he roped him, and then the guy pulled a gun on him. Yeah. And at that point, he... Uh, why do you think he shot the door instead of just shooting the guy? Just because it's cooler? I guess so. It was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, that was... All right, so then we he uh, then we find out that he's actually there for the uh, the mithril. Um, he puts down the puck. The guy tries to bribe him, and he he gives a great line: "I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold." Yeah. And he puts his hand on his uh, blaster. That was a great line. Yeah, it was. Um, um, so at yeah. this point, I've got something for you. What you got? Bounty pucks are cool. Bounty pucks are cool. We've never seen these before. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is yeah, and I like uh, when he later goes to see. Uh, um, Grief, Griefa or Grief? Grief. Uh, uh, Carl uh, Weathers' character. Uh, Grief Karga. Yeah, and he pulls out the the little pile of uh, bounty pucks, but we'll get there. No, he pulls out the tracking fobs. We will get there. They bring. Well, they both. Yeah. The Mandalorian pulls out the fobs, and yeah. Grief Karga. Oh yeah, he's got his little thing. Of, yeah, yeah, pucks. Uh, he's got bomb jumper bomb blah blah blah. All right, so um, we're running through. He's got that. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Obviously, at this point, this thing's like, well, the mithril's like, I guess I'm going to go along with this guy because, you know, it's going to go one way or the other. This is the first point, by the way, where I really noticed the music, and it's in the first few moments. They come in with these pipes, and it sounds almost like an oboe or almost like a weird pan flute type thing going on. Um, I like the music throughout this uh, show. The music throughout um, is really good. I will say... It gets a little distracting here and there, but in general, I thought it was really well done. Yes, um, and I gotta pull the. I'm gonna have to pull the soundtrack and kind of make my own playlist just for listening because some of it is very much built for the show, and doesn't just play on its own. 
um, where some of the tracks really play well on their own. But like some of them, like the big action scenes, you just have a lot of a lot of stuff going on. Yes, um, the and they work well in the show, sounds. but not so much in the in the car. Yeah, <laughs> unless you got a dramatic drive, which maybe you do. I don't know. So I think we can kind of cut to. He goes out. Um, he meets a Cubasian. Who's the most famous Cabazian so far? We talked about him on episode two of our podcast. Oh, you did. Yeah. Grindin. Grindin's a Cabazian. He's the guy with the long snout who uh, yeah. they meet outside the Millennium Falcon. But this is a different Cabazian. Yeah. I assume it's a different Cabazian. Unless that guy's everywhere, man. Snout looks shorter. He is the man in black. He's unless they everywhere, cut man. Snout sometimes. Maybe, well, this is years later. Maybe he gets smaller as he grows older. This is going weird directions. All right, um, so that guy gets him a land speeder. Yeah, no droids. No droids. Interesting um, right away to find out he doesn't like droids. Yep, so he ends up on that kind of uh, clunky land speeder. They make it out to his ship. What type of ship Ooh, is that? Uh, who's the taxi driver? Uh, he was from the TV show. He's from all kinds of TV shows. He does all kinds of like he's a, bits here and there. He's a big character actor. He's, he's a big guy. Yeah, he well, yeah, like so he's, he's literally a big he's character. A big guy. Uh, Brian Poston, yeah. He's on, uh, like, Big Bang Theory. He's yeah. a geologist on New Girl. He's a science teacher, and he does some some other neat things here and there, and he's he's pretty funny, and I liked him in this, too. I liked him in this, too. I liked how straightforward he was at the end. He said, uh, you know, we need to settle up, stay off the ice. It's time to go. Um, yeah. Yep, so, and he... Uh, he doesn't last very long. No. Um, don't know what the creature is that eats him, but he gets eaten. So we end up on uh, on this ship. Yeah, they named it Ravenax. The Ravenax. The Ravenax. They're giant, giant dinosaur walruses. I yeah. We know what type of creature it says. It's called a Ravenax. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Mithril says Ravenax. Oh, Ravenax. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Four and, times, uh, and I'm just Yeah, they're like these up. giant walruses. Like I call, I, I consider them giant dinosaur walruses. That's what Di- I looked at. Dino like, walrus. It's awesome looking and, creature. Um, I loved it. So they're trying to take off, and of course, Mandalorian guy has to uh, shock it in order to get it to let go of the landing gear. But what? Uh, so they go into the cockpit, and I guess it's a Star Wars swear. The uh, Mithril says, "Dank Farik, that was close." I don't know what that means. So I watched it with the subtitles on. I guess it's just a Star Wars thing, and maybe someone will be like, "Hey, you." You guy who doesn't know anything about Star Wars, Dank Rick uh, means this and a tease or something. I don't know. But he does say it. Um, um, but you know the beautiful thing. Go ahead. When the, uh, what do you call the walrus? The Ravenac. I'm the walrus? Nice. Uh, when the Ravenac's holding the landing gear and the, and the, uh, the Razor Crest won't take off, what sound does it make? Which uh, the Millennium Falcon sound, which is actually the sound of one of those old school airplanes. Yep. Um, which actually takes us back to Indiana Jones. And uh, did you know that? That's where they got that. Uh, that sound effect is used in uh, the original Raiders of the Lost Ark when he says, Start the plane, Jacques. Start the plane. And you know what the call sign is on that airplane? It's C3P, uh, I think, or C3O. Yeah. And it was a nod Spielberg was giving to Lucas. Anyway. So it makes the Millennium Falcon sound when it doesn't work, which is awesome. Um, so what was, the, what was the potential swear or whatever? Dank for Rick. Is this a good point to take a quick Mandalorian break and talk about our other conversation from yesterday? Yes. Episode four, A New you, Hope. I don't remember what our conversation Greedo. was. Greedo. Greedo? 
Oh, the oh, added line. Oh, so all the Disney Plus controversy. Yes. Uh, we're we're uh, we were less than twenty four hours out of the gate. So by Wednesday afternoon, but no, by Tuesday night, people I, were talking about this. Can I just say this real quick? Say it. I love Star Wars fans. Oh my gosh! Like what happened? The Mandalorian's out. Awesome. And then Yay. someone's like, now I'm watching Episode Four, and you know these people have Episode Four somewhere. I watched Phantom, Phantom Menace last night. Yeah. Um, Phantom Menace. I watched Episode Four, and. Uh, <laughs> So this this came about, um, and I hadn't noticed it right away. Well, I hadn't watched it yet. But somebody right away started this controversy, and they said, "There's a new line." In the in what scene? In the Han the Greedo famous scene. cantina scene where they which Lucas ruined by making Greedo shoot at Han. Because it, it was never correct to say Han shot first. It was always correct to say Han's the only one who shot. Yeah. In the first version, Han shoots, so there is no Greedo shooting. But now, Disney has, uh, what they add? Uh, McClunky. McClunky! McClunky. McClunky! So, I don't know why, that's so weird. I took... Who, and who yells it, by the way? I hadn't even watched it. Is it Han or... No, Greedo. Greedo says McClunky and then it, shoots it. So shoots Han says, it. over my dead body. Greedo yeah. says, that's the idea. I've been looking and forward to says, this a long time. I bet you have. And then he says, McClunky. What? After he says that. Does he the not idea. say, I've been looking forward to this a long time? And Han says, I be, yeah, I bet you I have. I think that's earlier, isn't it? No, that's when he shoots him. He says, yeah, I bet you have. And then, oh, and then he, he says, McClunky. Then he shoots, McClunky! So <laughs> I'm wondering if, so when I heard that, I took, and there's no, um, the whole time he's talking, you have. McClunky. You have the uh, the captioning to yeah. tell you what he's saying, but for McClunky, when he says those, whatever that phrase is, Eat there's you. nothing there. And uh, so I took it as you're toast, you're fried, you're dead, I've got you, it's over. Something to that nature. Thank for Rick. In which case it was appropriate for Han to react and shoot. So there. Oh, no. Well. Yeah. What? He, they <laughs> created a sort of a workaround for. No. They can't take it away at this Why point. Why can't they? Uh, okay. They can. They're not going to take it away at this point. Mm. Okay? So they added something in to be like, here's the final thing where it was very clear he was going to kill him. So Han shot first. It was very clear because he said over my dead body and he said that's the idea. That that was clear. Well, the whole time he was talking about Jabba taking we him, Jabba this, taking his ship, right. Jabba not, you know. Anyway. We right, need this it. podcast to become famous and we need to get six billion followers and then we're going to use it as a platform to restore the Greedo Han scene. We're getting rid of McClunky, and we're getting rid of Greedo shooting at all. And we're starting this revolution, and, we, and that's why this is chapter one. Here is the seeds of the rebellion. <laughs> all right, re Resistance Reborn. That's right. Yeah, which, by the way, I can't get through. I, I, I'm trying. You haven't finished it yet? No. They, uh, get to it. What happened? Disney Plus come out? You start watching Mandalorian Yeah, <laughs> that actually is exactly what happened. <laughs> I told right. you. I said it. I said it the day before The Mandalorian came out. I said, you have to finish this book today or you're going to be in trouble. You're right. And I finished it the day so before. So we're the on the Razor Crest. That's the type of ship. I don't know if the, the name. That's not the name. Um, yeah, that's the type. And uh, and our mithril friend uh, points out, oh, it's pre-Empire. Oh, you know, it's a classic. And that guy talks a lot. Yeah. Kind of like me. Um and then he says he has to basically go uh, use the vac tube. And we get to see a little bit of the inside of the ship. And it is what we would call Spartan. It is utilitarian. Yep. There's a cot in the background you can see, which I guess is uh, the Mandalorian's bedroom. You see the, the vac tube, which is, you know, a bathroom, a toilet. Um, 
And then he starts playing with the buttons on the wall, and it opens the weapons chest. Yeah. I um, love this. Yes. I thought this was hilarious. So Because the guy's reaction is... Nope. <laughs> no, he immediately closes <laughs> so he it. He closes and it. And you can tell he's, like, terrified that he found the Mandalorian's weapon stash. And I love that because, you know, your initial thought is, okay, now I'm armed and I can fight back. And he's like, nope, 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 sorry, I found that. But upon rewatch, the Mandalorian is not outfitted uh, completely, not the way we see most Mandalorians, especially from the Clone Wars. Yeah. What's he missing? He's missing... Um what? What are you looking for? There's no jetpack. There's no oh, jetpack. Yes, 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 yes. There's okay. no there's no backpack at all on this guy. And it it was a couple watches before I realized, wait a minute. Yeah. That's like the signature piece along with the helmet and the the gauntlets is the backpack. He does not have a jetpack. So no, I'm doesn't. wondering uh when that's going to come up. Right, and yeah. we see some Mandalorians later on in the episode. They don't have them on either. That worries me. But we're getting ahead of ourselves, so he uh, gets down to the weapons chest. He's terrified, so he closes the weapons chest. Yep. And he says, uh, I was hoping to get home for uh, for what? Life Day. Life Day. November 17th, I believe. Is that November 17th, me? Life Day. Um, November 17th, 1978 is when the holiday special first premiered. <laughs> and Wookiee Life Day was a celebratory day on Kashyyyk. And uh, it was celebrated November 17th, and now yep, um, yep. you can actually go on StarWars.com, and they've got... Lumpy! Uh, we're, hey, we're, we need to add that to the countdown. We should have. Uh, life life days. day is three days away. It's three days away, and so... And they've got recommendations, like Wookiee cookies and... Uh, and uh, other the stuff. stocking, our bandoliers are hung by the by the back. Yeah, whatever they've got there. Care. Um, so he says, guess I'm not going to make it over Life Day, and... And the guy says, like, like, guess, guess not, not. Yeah. <laughs> which was awesome because he pops up out of nowhere. Yeah. I love that. So I've watched, like I said, four times I watched that scene, and every time I'm like, yes. Yeah, there he is. And then he puts it's him so against spooky. this, like, uh, kind of wall thing. Oh, it's a, well, yeah, it's a little portable it's carbon, button. what do they call it, frozen carbonite. Uh, yeah, carbonite yeah. freeze chamber. It's got a portable one. Um, and that is so spooky, though. I love seeing the, the guys frozen in carbonite and the uh, the mithril guy looking at each one. Yeah. That was that was good. And I got to tell you, those those guys are good. all going to suffer from hibernation sickness. They are. I can't see anything. Yeah. Who is this? Yep. Um, um, so I'll say. loves you. It is someone who loves you. They're probably you. not going to wake up that well. So this this carbonite freeze yeah. seemed like a risky business in episode five. I was going to talk about this too. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it, it was, was like, also well, a gigantic. It could harm them. He'll, he won't be any good to me dead. Yeah. Right? Like they were really concerned about good freezing them. Yeah. And that's why they tested it on Han. Yeah. And they were like, I'm hey, not. this worked. Right? And I assume in the time that he was with Jabba – they saw this working. I'm going a different route. I think that this was always a standard practice, but the facilities at Bespin were not designed to freeze humans, that they were designed to freeze industrial materials, and that was the question, not whether or not you can freeze humans in carbonite or people or creatures or whatever, but whether or not that particular setup was designed to do it. Because that was a mining station, um, so who knows what they were freezing, probably not people. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my explanation of what happened mm-hmm. there, is uh, they they reprogrammed it to create something like what these portable little suspension yeah. chambers do. So I'm trying to play in my mind what the nailed uh, it. Trying to play in my mind what the conversation was. I do not want the emperor's prize harmed. Yeah. So at what point? Yeah. 
Test it on Captain Solo. He's no good to me dead. Yeah. I don't know. He'll be compensated. I guess either way, I feel like... And that I thought was silly, too. The Empire will compensate you. Well, then why don't we just leave Han frozen here and just give me the money? Like, why did Bubba leave in the first place? I mean, Um, I guess he had his reputation. Yeah, I was about to say. I think he, yeah, I think he was... Because he worked for Jabba. Yeah, the reputation made sense, too. Um, All right, so he frees them, and now we get to, uh, again, another unknown planet... And we get to what I'm assuming is a bar that caters to the Bounty Hunters Guild. Yeah. Is that the Bondsman's Guild? They mentioned the Bondsman Guild later on. Are they linked? I would assume they're the same thing, actually. Okay. That's what I was thinking, yeah. too. Yeah. Because um, they just keep referring to it as the Guild, and then later in the episode... Um, and we meet Apollo Creed. Yeah. It's the eye of the tiger, it's the thrill of the fight. Anyway... You said you had some things to um, say about the Creed yes. Karga. Yeah, go ahead, do that. Um, so he, he walks in there, the Mandalorian walks in this bar, and he's got his fobs, which, you know, each one is used to track down whichever bounty you're working on. And the fobs are there to prove that he's actually caught these guys out along with the, you know, having them. But he turns them over to get his pay. Now, what's interesting to me is when, uh, I'm just going to probably call him Carl Weathers. Um, or should I call him? Because I don't know if is it Griefa or Grief. I don't know. Uh, Griefa or I think Grief. It's Grief Karga. So Grief. Uh, so Grief then orders his one of his guys to offload the cargo. Did you catch what language he spoke to him in? No. Oh, uh, Hatties. Hatties. Right? Yeah. So I guess that's just the language for uh, that sort of business. Spoke, yeah. This, this so I thought that was interesting because neither of them are Huts, but he's speaking Hatties. He, he does, and. Uh, you know, he, you, this, this all kind of played out in a second. Um, you called him what when you first saw him? Griefa. No, before that. Apollo Creed. You called him Apollo Creed. Um, in 2015, there was a Creed movie. Yeah, that was. He wasn't in it, but no. it was based on his son. His family, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know who wrote the music for that? Yes. I don't know. I was going to guess Nick Nolte. No, it was <laughs> not Nick Nolte. It was actually the same guy that made the movie, the music for The Mandalorian. Uh, I don't know who made the music for The Mandalorian. Uh, Lud- well, I guess Ludwig, right? Beethoven? Ludwig Gorenson? Gorenson? Ludwig. Ludwig Gorenson. Yeah. He did the uh, music for The Mandalorian here There's and the music loud. for Creed, Gorenson. which is an interesting, like, yeah. Just a little mashup of characters here. So It's a small world after all. Yeah. All right. Good. So he tries to uh, pay an Imperial credits. Yeah, he does. And, uh, and the bounty hunter's response is, you know, don't know if you've heard, but the Empire's no longer here, something yeah. like that. So then he ends up paying him uh, with calamari. Um, I forgot what it's called, but it's calamari um, you know, money. What did you did you have something you want to say? Because you uh, when we were watching yeah, this together, some, you were like, oh, I don't know. Mm, yes, well. I've got some frustrations here. All right, so the guild seems to me kind of like a almost like a workers' union. Like they're they're the place that they get their jobs. People that want bounties send them through the guild, and the guild distributes the jobs to the different bounty hunters. Is the way that I'm kind of seeing the guild happen. Yeah, um, and there's kind of a bounty hunter agreement, you know, whatever, but. Everything seems kind of be a me- uh, kind of kind of a mess. Um, he tries to pay in imperial credits, yeah, which didn't make much sense. If they're collecting money from the people who actually wanted these bounties, 
he then is like, well, I've only got this amount, and I don't, like, this whole predetermined amount for these bounties doesn't make any sense. It's really strange. Mm. It seems like he's working for Grief Cargo, right? Like, he's kind of a middleman yeah. to set the... I think Grief is the middleman. But they're... But the, the money change in hand seems really, really... I think this is significant. I don't think this is a problem of the setup. All right. He I, tries I, to impay him in Imperial credits. Right. And uh, when Mandalorian kind of balks at this, he says it spends. And then he sends him to a guy who's simply called the client, who it turns out is an Imperial agent. You don't suspect that maybe Grief is working for the former Imperials? That's what I came away with. I'm like, they're trying to, they're trying to salvage this. He's trying to like legitimize the the money. He's sending them on a mission for the Imperials. Maybe so, but it still seems like I, I mean, I guess. My, and then he's like, "Well, I can pay you in the uh, calamari." Yeah, whatever squid they called it. Gills. I don't know. Whatever they said <laughs> yeah. it was. And they're like, "I can pay you in this," but but I he didn't want to at first. But only half. Which is interesting because it shows you, I think they're trying to underline that the Empire, elements of the Empire are struggling on, and, but it's, it's not working. I like um, that. And I, think this, get, I, I really actually think this is paving the way for understanding what we're going to see in Rise of Skywalker, to be honest with you. Like, okay, so this, this could, uh, sorry, this, this conversation kind of helps. This, it might actually work. Um, because he says after when he says, well, what about other jobs? Yeah. Right? He goes, well, the highest I can pay is 5000 He yeah. says, that's well, not even enough for gas. gas. Yeah. Right? So, like, there are no legitimate jobs except well, for this one. You now, notice. He's pushing him toward this job, I'm thinking now. Yep. Because he says, well, they, they don't want to pay guild rates, meaning they don't they don't mind getting sloppy. Well, it's a setup from the very beginning. It because, has to be. Because if they're yeah. not paying guild rates, then what are you talking about these low-level bounds? Like, none of that makes sense. The, yeah, I think there's so two. That, that kind of I think there's two sides to this. It's a setup from the beginning, meaning the client, as he's called, which is Werner Herzog, the uh-huh. actor, um, who we'll talk about in a second. Um, he was expecting the Mandalorian, and he even says, "You're the best in the parsec," is what right, I told. He said he was so going. you're right. Uh, Grief is intentionally paving the way to send the Mandalorian to go see this guy. But on top of that, he says, uh, "You know what bounties do you got?" And he's got, you know, jump on, jump on, smuggler. Um, and then he, you know, says the prices and they're too low. And then when he, when the Mandalorian questions why this is, he's saying, well, people are sloppier these days, which tells me that people are operating outside the guild. They're just simply, it's lawlessness is what they're they're underlining. They're willing to hire bounty hunters individually instead of working for the guild. Well, not only that, but yeah, it's lawless. Um, so they're underlining that the empire has fallen. Uh, the Republic has not politically, you know, legally been able to replace it as a as a stabilizing influence. Um, the currency is not holding its value. It, I, I absolutely love it because um, I think in that oh, one conversation, that, yeah. they really give you kind of insight into the state of the galaxy. Um, and the Mandalorian does, too, because the fuel prices are going up, but the value of money is going down. Um, so this, you know, this is this is interesting. But yeah, so did you want to say anything more about that? Because we know the next step is he goes to see the the, the client. client. Yeah, because that was that was the other thing. He's like, well, he the next one's face to face direct commission, like all of that stuff, and that that kind of fits. I like your explanation. Like there, he yeah. was pushing him into that. Yeah, um, it's a setup, man. So, which makes me think that grief, uh, grief, brother, is not necessarily a good guy. I think he's working for the empire. I, I'm. That sounds legitimate. Yeah, I like. Yeah, it. Carl um, Weathers. 
All right, so I haven't seen this. Going, baby. I haven't done a slow mo watch. Um, my son said the first time he watched it, he thought he saw an Ewok walking around. Um, I saw Jawas. So look for it if you if you think you see one. I didn't uh, let us know. Ewoks. I'm gonna. I haven't done the I'd like close inspection look. It would be surprising, but that's why I'm. He goes, mm. "Oh, was that an Ewok?" It was a quick thing. We didn't go back and watch it again. We should have, but it was his first watch, so we were just continuing to watch. Um, so we end up at uh, at the client's place. Yeah, and we get a tracking fob. We get a tracking fob, and uh, oh yeah, yeah. What uh, he doesn't have a uh, puck. No puck. He says uh, discretion what did, dictates. Um, no puck. Well, what do he say about the chain code? Did he say there was or wasn't one? Well, grief. Grief said there's no chain code. No chain code. And the client gives him the four last four digits. digits. So what we and the Mandalorian's answer is, you know, oh, so we only have how old he is. Which tells, which suggests that there's some sort of identification system that the Empire used to use. Um, I guess it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, our social security numbers um, in that it's a government database. They put in that number and they get all this information about you. But I was saying to Tim earlier, I think it's more like a VIN number, vehicle identification number on a, on a car. The, each number um, says something about the car. It says the color, it says the year it was made, it says where it was made. If you know how to read it, then you can get all that information just from a VIN number. Um, and I guess that's what a chain code is for the for people in the um, in the Empire. But that's he's only got the last like. four digits. Yeah, just that age and his last known positional data. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about this meeting with the client. Yes. He goes to the front door. And we see some beat-down-looking stormtroopers. You know what we see before that? We see a TT8L... Uh, Y7, gatekeeper droid. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, which is, again, fan service, but like you said, it's just natural to the plot. Yeah. Little thing opens up just like on Jabba's palace and, you know, pokes its little reticle out. And uh, that's that's a TT8L Y7 gatekeeper droid. Um, so that was really cool. And then he goes in and then he sees four really worn out looking stormtroopers. I'm guarding a dude who's got uh, some massive bling on. What's he got on? He's got that big He's gold got a chain. Big gold imperial yeah. sigil on his right, right on, on his, his chest. chest. Yeah, yeah. He's he's looking like uh, oh man, what's the guy who used to wear the clock around his neck? <laughs> I can't believe I forgot his <laughs> name right now. But anyway, and then we get a tense moment. Doctor comes in there. They pull guns on each other. Uh, so this guy's name is uh, Doctor Pershing. Um, and there's another great line here where the stormtroopers, you know, say, well, we got you four to one. I like those odds. I like those odds. So yeah. we got some tough talk there. And uh, the client, you know, calms him down, offers him this job, and then offers him a piece of Besker. Yeah, he does. Now, this is interesting. There's, I think there's a lot. Uh, do, we, do we know it's Besker, though? He says it's Besker. Oh, oh, and the Mandalorian checks it, right? Yeah. Because he rubs his thumb on it. But it's got the Imperial symbol stamped yeah, it does. in it. Um, but what the, uh, what the client says here, I think, might have multiple meanings. Because we know, you know spoiler alert, that the, the, the target is this Yoda-type species, right? So, spoiler alert. Um, we know it's 50 years old, but it's still an infant. Um, but, I mean, we don't know this till the end of the uh, episode. But I think what the client says at this is a little bit of foreshadowing. Because when he gives the Besker... And Besker, remember, is unique to Mandalorians. When he gives it back to him, he says, uh, 
I think it's right that it go back to the Mandalorians. And the actual quote is to restore the natural order. And he after says this to him. After a period of such disarray. Yes. Yeah. After a period of such disarray, we're going to restore the natural order. I think he's talking about killing this Yoda creature. Um, I think that's what he means when he says this is to restore the natural order. That I, the Besker is just simply a symbol that he's using to communicate this larger message. Okay. I heard it as... I heard that as the Empire coming back into power. Both, I think. Yeah. yeah. So um, was, because I got I some theories this, uh, on this Yoda this baby. Yeah, well, what are we going to call this thing? Yoda baby? I have Yoda 2.0. <laughs> That's right. I like that. Baby Yoda. Yeah. Um, Yoda 2. I want Yoda 2.0 for now. Yoda 2. Make it sound royal. Yoda 2. Yoda the second? <laughs> anyway, um, Dr. Pershing makes it clear he wants uh, he wants this creature alive. Mm-hmm. And the client makes it clear that maybe dead's better. Um, and then he actually says, I'm just being pragmatic. But we find out from IT11, IT11, whatever, his orders IG. are IG, say. Um, yeah, not uh, information technology. No, IG11. Um, IG11, he wasn't told to bring it back alive. No, and I wonder if he was even hired the same way. That was I wondered that as well. Um, yeah. But we're jumping ahead of ourselves. Two, yeah. But, but the doctor, and we don't know what he's a doctor of. I'd love to know that. He clearly wants this creature alive. And the other guy clearly has some hesitations. So that takes us to our next scene. He gets his Besker, and he leaves. And this is one of the more amazing scenes. Um, where does he go? And this is where we see some uh, really kind of more fan service. We see the Salacious Crumb creature. Yeah, this um, is the scene. It was right before Salacious Crumb that, that my son thought he saw the Ewok. Well, that's where we saw Jawas. Definitely. Right, I know the Jawas were there. Um, we saw a lot of stuff. So they're all there. Um, yeah, we see the Salacious Crumb creature. Did you notice the one that was still alive in the cage? Yeah. Clearly yeah. a puppet. Yeah, well, which was really cool. I loved it because I thought it mean it meant that well, no, they're not puppets. This is just what they look like. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't all CGI. Like we could make was, this look more real, but no, this is what they look. This like. is what they look like. Yeah, and it was it was really cool because it 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 looked it looked a little bit more natural. Like I was like, yeah, that's Star Wars. Like, and they said yeah. that they said we want to make this a, a show for everyone, and I think they're really working hard for that. And that Heck was yeah. that was really cool. Um, but it goes into this kind of. Uh, dark place and at 18 minutes and 32 seconds he's walking down a hallway and there's several mandalorians in there and we see someone and who does that look like to you tim uh it looks like he's wearing a little bit of red a little bit of green in his armor kind of has a i don't know a fat feel i paused this so tim could confirm what i was thinking and this guy looks like boba fett really does yeah um so one of the guys he's the second mandalorian you see when uh when the main character walks down this hallway uh you'll see one guy in kind of a white like uniform it's hard to tell because it's really dark in there yeah but then the very next guy seems to be wearing like the green gray with the browns It, it in the yellow gauntlets it's it looks like boba fett now he doesn't have a backpack on um, but it looks like Boba Fett. But we see little kids run by, and yep. they're wearing helmets, which that's interesting because of the comment that the Mithril guy made earlier about, I hear you guys never take your helmets off. It's really interesting because from what we've seen in the Mandalorians in the past, we've obviously seen many of them without their helmets. Yeah, both the Clone in Wars. De- and Death Watch and in others. Which so Dave Filoni did. Right, so, so he's got, I mean, he knows what he's doing. There's continuity, but it's we haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. Um, so he goes and he sees uh, the blacksmith who is called the armorer. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and now, any thoughts on the armor? Um, a, a, a lot of this. thoughts, I know. I love, yeah, this is this is spectacular. What do you right? think about that helmet, first of all? The helmet was cool. That was... Uh, I, I'm a historian. It and looked... I can't get past... And I love this. This isn't... Uh, it's Greek. Yeah. The, the style of that helmet, it could be Mycenaean or or it could be uh, Spartan. It, it, that's it what I was going to say. It looked like helmet. Spartan helmet from 300. I mean, that's yeah, exactly what it looked like. It actually looked exactly like um, the, the faceplate anyway. Um, there was a Mycenaean tomb um, at, mm, I want to say Knossos, uh, where they did find a gold funerary mask of uh, King's helmet, and that helmet looks exactly like it. So it's, it's cool. It's plucked right out of the history uh, pages. I like the little horns on it. Um, yeah, everything was really cool there. And uh, the dialogue here, I think, is pretty significant. Yes. So the first question... Um, after we see the Mythosaurus skull on her door, yeah, which and it is looks the like that's made out of Beskar too. Yeah, it does. The, the look of that looked like that was that was made pure out of Beskar, which is a you know kind of, I th and they could have made a lot with that. Yeah, and I feel like that was a show of this is who we are. Yeah, they invested here quite first because they're very that. into clan and family and. Yeah. And tradition, and I think that's which that we learned on our last episode, yeah. our last podcast. But they reinforced that with a lot of the language they use here. Um, so she says, "Has your signet been revealed?" Uh, signet. She says signet. Uh, I, I looked at the uh, uh, the what do you call when the words are on the screen? Yeah, captain. the captions, but the uh, way she signet. pronounced it was a little or different. she either says signet or sigil. Either way, it means she family says signet, crest. But she says signet is the way she pronounces it, I think. Okay, so signet, yeah, yeah, which is your family crest. Right. She said, has it been revealed? Yeah, not have you figured it out. Right. Yeah, and that's interesting because he, he says no, I was a, well, he says no, and then he, later he says I was a foundling. Yeah. So I'm really excited to learn where they're going with this. Yeah, Because what house from? is he, um, what's his backstory? Of course, as she's um, forming the pauldron, the shoulder armor, uh, there's a flashback going on there. Yeah, well, she says this came from the Great Purge. Yep, which and then I assume every, is the Purge of the Jedi. The purge, No, this is the Purge of, I think this is the Purge of Mandalore. I think this is the Empire taking over Mandalore. Good, I, and that's what I wanted to ask you, because I'm like, if it's the Purge of the Jedi, it doesn't really make sense, but I, I don't, okay. Because I think that's what was happening, and I think he was a child during the Empire taking over Mandalore, and yep. every time she strikes the hammer against this... Beskar steel that was from the Great Purge. Yeah, he sees those flashbacks, and he's remembering that. So he apparently survives because his parents hide him, and I guess later someone finds him. That's the foundling, right? Um, so whoever finds him, maybe they know his house somehow. Somebody must go back and search for for survivors after yeah. the fact, because it seems like the Empire's just there wiping oh, people out. Oh, this is so well set up. Yeah. So she he gives he, now. What's interesting is, I guess he has leftover Beskar. After she makes the pauldron, is that what she means? Or it is she talking way. about the money? Because he gives her the money, too. Which tells us he's not working for money. He's oh, yeah. working for the clans, for the houses. Um, and since he's not associated with a, directly with a house, he's working for Mandalore. Which would explain a little bit more about, well, I'll take whatever. <laughs> yeah. Give me the money, I'm just going to go, I'm not going to deal with this. Yeah, he's in, like, he, you know, you can, again, with his ship, they, they make it a point to go, okay, this is not a rich ship. You know, this is kind of a cheap, older ship. Um, yeah, so he's not working for his, you know, his personal gain. He's working for Mandalore. And, uh, yeah, so I, I love how this uh, scene kind of underlines 
that that aspect of selflessness. Yeah, that was really cool. I like it. Oh, I love the show already. Um, all right, so he's got his new shoulder plate. He's got his poldroon. And he's going to leave. Time to leave. Time to follow up on our leads. Yep. Um, so he goes to a desert planet. Another unknown planet. We don't know what it is. And now I will finally be right when I say Nick Nolte. That is Nick Nolte, the Ugnaught that he meets. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about his, uh, he gets off, uh, he gets out of his ship, he gets his rifle up, and he's scanning the horizon with his scope. And of course, what happens? He gets bitten. And what is that reminiscent of? Does he get? I think it's reminiscent of Luke. Yeah, it's sand people, all right. I can see one of them now. Then oh, sudden, yeah. right there in your face. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I thought it was reminiscent of that. Um, I also thought it was interesting that he couldn't take that creature out. Do you think, was he showing restraint? I think he was stuck. Well, he tries to flamethrow it, which was right. so cool. Right, that was awesome, but <laughs> then he, that gets taken. But then he starts punching it in the eye with his left hand. Does he not have any weapons on his left gauntlet? I don't believe that, first of all. Second of all, no, he grabs him by the right no, arm. The, I think the grapple's on the left arm, isn't it? The grapple's on the left arm, but I would think he'd still have more than just the grapple. Well, the like, grapple Boba Fett has his blaster on his left if he had his hand by the eye. Like, yeah, that, so. that's what I mean. Well, not only that, so then when uh, Nick Nolte's character, you know, shocks and he collapses and he's trapped with his left arm in this creature's mouth and another one starts charging, he could pull his pistol, but he doesn't. He just holds his hand up like, oh, no, I don't know what to do. And I didn't know what to make of that because I'm like, is he trying not to kill these creatures for some reason? Because I feel like he went down way too easy in this fight. I think at the beginning it was fine, but I, I see what you yeah. said about the second one. I think everything, at the be everything in the first one, he was taken off, taken by surprise. He was He's literally waving his right hand at the second one as it's running at him. And I'm like, you're a gunslinger. <laughs> the pistol's right there by your right well, hand. He's also a Mandalorian who's very used to... Using his tools, and if he maybe he was, I, I, I have to look at it again to see if he was trying to actually go back and, and watch, not realizing it was broken. Well, the, yeah, his uh, his left gauntlet's destroyed. I can't. I don't. I didn't notice whether or not his right one, which is the one with the flamethrower, was. But he uses the grappling hook later. But um, all right. So we meet Nick Nolte. Yes. And uh, what, what's his little catchphrase? I have spoken. I have spoken. It was really cool. So it was like his way of just saying, "This is the end of the conversation." Yeah. And it, I never, I never took it as. I have spoken, so this is law? No. Like, at first it sounds that way, but what it became was, I'm done talking about this. Yeah, like, it seemed like an expression to me. It was cool. It was like, yeah. I've spoken. I'm done I've talking. Um, I'm kind of a, that's it? Yeah. Yeah. So then we go through uh, the taming of the Blurg. Those were the names of the creatures that attacked them. Yeah. Um, he said, I want half of your, half of the catch, or half for the day. And Yeah. Uh, he he's thinks he's talking about the bounty. He's talking about those Blurgs. Yep. And the Mandalorian says, you can have them both. And he says, oh, no, you'll need, need one. one. Um, and it was cool how he kind of talks him into it with this, because he knows what the statement of family and clan and who the Mandalorians are. Because he was like, no, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. And he said, your ancestors did what? The Mythosaurus. Yeah. They, tamed the myth they rode the they Mythosaurus. They rode the Mythosaurus. Yeah, it was, it was really cool that he used that and was like, you're going to do this and you can do this. And there's several times where he does that sort of thing, where he says, I've never met a Mandalorian, but if what they say is true, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, there's a very Yoda-Luke type scene there when they're in his hut and it's the Mandalorian's a little too big for it. So he's just kind of sitting there while the guy kind of putters about. Yep. Um, now it's got a much different feel. 
Um, but I, I did the, like kind of, again, I thought there was a little bit of fan service there. Yeah. Um, makes you feel nostalgic. So they ride across these broken planes. I thought that was awesome. The broken planes were really cool. Like yeah. the blurbs were a little weird, but yeah. I didn't have a problem with them. No. Um, but I thought the riding across was awesome. This was one of the points where I thought the music was really good. Yeah. Like this was a point oh. where the music really stood okay, out to me. I was that. like, hey, this is great. Because, uh, yeah, I meant to, the other part where the music, um, I think it was uh, Slave One, Django Fett's ship and Attack of the Clones, where you start to really hear the type sound when these ships would go by. They incorporate that into the music, and you notice it. Well, the first time I really noticed this is when he's flying to that planet right before he gets out and the Borg attacks him. Um, they show his ship flying into the atmosphere and then flying over the terrain, and it's making this noise. And you can't tell if it's the music or if it's his engine noise, and I love how they blend that together because um, it speeds up and it slows down, but again, it matches the music. So really, really well done. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, not surprising that a Star Wars uh, show would have good sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> so they get to the compound. Dun, yes. dun, dun. So they called it the encampment. The encampment. Right? That's what the, the Ugnot, we don't know his name, right? I don't think we ever heard his name. I don't think we ever told his name. Um, Nick Nolte. Yeah. So he leads him there, and then he goes down, but then he can't do anything because immediately he goes, oh, no. Oh, no. There goes the element droid. of surprise. Yeah. A bounty droid. Bounty droid. IG-11. Yeah, he goes in there and... Yeah. So we've seen an IG unit before, right? Yeah, we have. We saw, we've seen several. Well, we've seen several, but of this model. Uh, we saw IG-88. We saw IG-88. Which IG was the bounty hunter on Empire Strikes Back. So as of right now, evidence shows there are only 10 bounty droids. 10. Yeah. They have the double numbers, IG-00, IG-11, IG-22, up to... What about IG-100? Well, those are a different model. Yeah, they are. Uh, if you don't this know... Up. This I, is not canon, I'm just... Yeah, we're just... Having fun, just, with, the, having fun just, with the numbers, math. Math. Uh, IG-100s are the ones that protect Grievous that are really cool. Yep. That when uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi cuts its head off, it keeps coming at him. Yeah, it does. Um, IG-88, of course, we don't actually see him in action. We just see him standing on the bridge... Of a Star Destroyer and Empire Strikes Back. He's there with the other bounty hunters. And this is the first time we see, I think, an IG droid in action. Unless it's on one of the Clone Wars or Rebels episodes. Because now that I say that, I think there was a factory guarded by these. You? In one episode. You talked about, oh, maybe. You talked about IG-88 a little bit. Um, we were having a conversation the other day about Legends. what happened to him in Legends. Yeah. And we don't need the long story, but just the short, what ends up happening? Uh, supposedly he gets downloaded into the Death Star computer. And I wonder if they used that idea later on. Huh. One of our more recent movies. In fact, the most recent movie that's come out. Yeah, I thought about that too with Solo. Yeah, I didn't um, even think about like, I didn't put the two together. I, as a matter of fact, as soon as I saw that, I thought of that story with IG-88. Yeah, I hadn't downloaded. heard that story before the other day with you, so um, that's what, interesting. Yeah, it is. So it's, again, they're tying in the Legends ideas, like... Those legends ideas aren't gone. So we're gonna we're using them. We're gonna enter into kind of an epic, a pretty epic battle here. Yeah. Um, where you know the Mandalorian with IG Eleven take on this compound of uh, what are these guys? I don't know. I can't figure it out. This is and I was really I trying love hard this to mystery. figure it out, but not look it up. Like, are they the good guys or the bad guys? That's the big question. I mean, I I. You know, I'm going to be predisposed to think the Mandalorians, the good guy, the Mandalorian's a good guy. But then you're like, you mentioned this to me. Well, you know, the Empire just paid a bounty, so he's fighting enemies of the Empire. 
So these kind of have to be the good guys. It feels almost. like they're good guys. I can't tell if they're like, or maybe they're like, like crime syndicate who got involved. In right, they could be sixty pirates holding something hostage, or they could be. They're protecting a baby Yoda. Are they protecting it, or are they holding it captive? Well, they didn't hurt it. Not but yet. yeah, you're right. They they could be holding it. Well, captive. we just don't know. And I'm not saying I think they're bad. And I'm I, I'm kind of hoping they're bad so that our Mandalorian because be yeah, good. he just killed a bunch of people. Because that's a lot of people. Yeah, I think IG Eleven actually killed more, but. Um, Right, he went to town. But that doesn't that doesn't rest <clears> his crime. I don't know. <laughs> right, if you need to spend. Do you want to spend any time on the fight? Um, not a whole lot on the fight. The we're fight now was we're really into cool. This conversation. Yeah. So. I mean, go go watch the fight. The fight was really cool. The biggest yeah. thing about the fight was the self destruct. That stuff. was that was that was droid humor done right. Yes. Um, because in Attack of the Clone, we see droid humor done wrong. Yes. With C three PO, you know, oh, I've lost my head and what all this other stuff. What a drag! Oh, don't remind me that ever happened. <laughs> Uh, here we see droid humor done right. It, it actually has more of a Marvel feel. Um, it's got that like it's it's funny, but it's uh, it's it's like you said, it's natural. Um, yeah, the droid's just like okay, initiating self destruct. No, no, don't <laughs> initiate self destruct. And he has to tell him that I think three times in the fight, not to initiate self destruct. Um, great fight scene. I like the way they wrapped it up with him, you know, taking control of the turret. Yeah. Um, so I also like they, they blast their way into the door, although there is a, one little thing here that makes me like, oh, come on. They, they shoot you know, the door in such a way to create an outline so they can kick it down. There isn't enough time from when they finish shooting to when they kick it down for him to have got off the turret and run over and kick it. And for some reason, that sort of thing bothers me. I had two pieces with the turret as well. Like one, the one guy who was jumping off the building who got shot, which was fine. That's not that big a deal. Yeah. But then there's another guy who gets shot toward the end and falls forward. Yeah, that's not how that happens. Well, the other there is another thing, and this is where I told you all, if I don't like it in Star Wars, I'll say I don't like it. In the middle of the fight, a guy opens the door behind the Mandalorian and just puts his hand on the Mandalorian's he shoulder. He pushes him. Yeah. He like pushes him a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, you could have shot him. The first time <laughs> I saw that, Or I even swear, hit him with a brick. I swear, I saw him grab and pull. No, and he just... And the he second, just, like, it was just in my mind. Because I was just... This is what must have happened, right? Yeah. In my mind, that's how I remembered it. And then the second time I saw him, he just kind of shoved him Because it doesn't make sense. Your brain's, like, trying to make it make sense. But no, the, the door opens. The guy's totally got the drop on the Mandalorian. And what he does with that moment of surprise is basically tap him on the shoulder. Hey, here <laughs> like, I am. <laughs> hey, I'm behind you if you want to kill me too. Uh, I mean, literally could have hit him on the head with a rock. Yeah. Of course, he's got a helmet on, but, you know, you get what I'm saying. It, it, he's the only guy there without a gun. I mean, I guess that's what— He didn't but, have one in his hand. I don't know what happened. Yeah, maybe that guy was taking a nap, and he came out to, hey, what's going on, buddy? And then the Mandalorian killed him. Yeah, I, maybe that's why I wrote— no, that's not why I wrote that. I'll tell him that later on. Never we mind. don't know what you wrote. Yep. Um, all right, so we're, we're finishing the show. We're in the uh, room. Um, they find the little egg. Of course, before that, a guy walks out, and the uh, Mandalorian does his gunslinger routine and shoots the guy. I love seeing that. It, yep, that was There's really so cool. much Old West feel to this. Yeah, there is. so cool. There it is. Um, but they find the egg, looking device, pod thing, and they open it, and there it is. Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. And, of course, the Mandalorian's like, he's supposed to be 50. And uh, IG-11 is like, well, different species age at different speeds. Yep. And now I'm going to kill it. And he raises it. We see a blast. Uh, We see the red of a blast. You know what I did notice? Every uh, blaster in this is red. Um, Because in the movies, you see uh, red and green. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oddly enough, it's the uh, Empire who uses green blasters usually. Um, The uh, IG-11's weapons were old Empire weapons. 
he had uh, one of the Stormtrooper long rifles and uh, one of the short blasters. Um, so I don't know what's going on with the colors of the blast. But anyway, yeah. we see the red blast, and next thing you know, IG-11's laying there with a giant hole in its head. So is he irredeemably dead at this point, you think? Because he's in the trailer more uh, or somebody like I don't like know where it. his central wiring system is. Yeah. But his trailer, I think we saw all his trailer stuff. I thought there was one more scene, but I could be wrong. I think we saw it all. I was um, what we didn't see out of the trailer was the fight with the stormtroopers. The death troopers? Oh, or the stormtroopers. The stormtroopers, Both? yeah. So yeah. now we come to this this end scene. So he, he kills IG or, or destroys, you know, whatever. He IG shoots IG-11 in the head. Right, IG-11's down. He's down. And he pokes the baby. Out. Right? Pokes the baby. I don't know. He puts his finger out. And yeah, the baby kind of reaches baby out hand for him. Reach out. So I, I put poke. I figured poke the baby. So he saved the baby here. Um, and now we've got a question. Not mama. Back to the is he good or is he bad or does he care at all? Well, right. he, he refused to kill the baby, but, but why? he was also – so here's the question. I'm going to go the bad first. Um, yeah. If he's just in it for the bounty. Yeah, he gets more money if the baby's alive. He gets more money if the baby's alive. Yep. So – so maybe he's in it for the money. That's that's the first part. Um, he could be good. Then the question is if he's good. We did start the episode this? with him killing a man who was trying to run away. Exactly. Yeah. But the guy attacked. You know, I, and I'm not saying it's good to kill for any reason, but, you know, whatever. So we're meant to celebrate him here, but yeah. we need to know why. Because he might know the uniqueness of this creature. He might. In which case he saved it for that. He might know... The, I mean, he might have just looked and said, I understand 50 years old, but this is a baby. It's a baby. And he used to be a foundling. He knows what he it is to be lost. You're right. And, you know, then found. So there could be a piece of that there. Baby. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why he did that for Yoda 2.0. Yoda 2.0. And that's where the episode ends. He saves the baby from IG-11, but like Tim just pointed out, we don't know why profit motive or humanitarian whatever but now let's get to theories yeah so theories so we recap the episode we got a baby yoda we do it's this awesome. is a big deal and they make a point of telling us how old baby yoda is yes and guess who he is the same age as same age as he's uh, approximately the same you do the math who's the same age as anakin oh yeah who's anakin's dad Anakin doesn't have a dad. Anakin doesn't have a dad. Anakin was meant to bring balance to the Force. Anakin and this Yoda baby are born around the same time. Oh, you see where I'm going with these thoughts? I do see where you're going with these thoughts. Maybe this is the balance we've been looking for. That this is the new, this is the light side, and Anakin was always the dark side. I don't know. But maybe this is a baby born of the Force. Um, just like Anakin was supposedly born of the Force. We might have a Yoda baby born yeah. of the Force. Now, I will say every... Uh, this is all my theory, by the way. I'm very proud of myself. Yeah, this is excellent. Like, I, I hadn't thought about that at all. That's Well, I kept thinking, I'm like, why do they keep saying 50? And I'm like, is that is that Luke? Now, Luke's only maybe 30 at this time. Yeah. Um, so that's when I realized, wait, that's about how old Anakin is. Well, and some of that was to keep, I think, the secret of not knowing at all what we were expecting at the end. Yeah. You know, who to find. But yeah, that's, well, yeah, that's there's definitely that. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm assuming force sensitive. Um, and yeah. some of that Yoda might baby. be coming from, you know, this was. Yoda baby. You're I'm, the one. I'm amazed at how much I love this episode 
without force use. Right? Uh, that's a good I'm a, point. I'm a force lore guy. Yeah, you are. This it wasn't there, so this is this is really great. That doesn't surprise me because some of my favorite Clone Wars episodes are the ones about the right. Clones, when I know that for so, you, yeah. that's yeah. But that was that was different for me. I like that. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, so different theories. I'm leaning toward good, and he's going to try to save this thing. I, I think so too. I'm thinking that's why we've seen in the trailer the fight with the stormtroopers. Yeah, and I think we also would getting very meta. I don't think Disney is going to try to sell us a, a title character who's a bad guy. Right. Um, and I'll tell you, they can't get a puck on him. They can't get a puck on who? On the Mandalorian. Because they don't know what he looks like? That's right. Yeah, they just show a helmet, I guess. Uh, we don't know what he looks like at this point. I mean, of course, if you look up the actor, you know who that is. Yeah, um, but, but, yeah, as far as the, the show universe goes, we, we haven't seen his face. Yeah. Um, we barely heard his voice. Um, Yoda Baby. So Tim was saying, I like saying Yoda Baby. I find that very catchy. Um, that you were thinking they didn't have a puck on Yoda Baby because they were trying to save it for the audience. Um, but I actually think, and that, that that's a good point. It might actually just be the case. Uh, it was for the shock value they couldn't get a, a, a puck. But I wonder if in the Star Wars galaxy, how well-known Yoda's story is. Like, because that's the one thing George Lucas said that he wouldn't allow legends to touch. Um, he wouldn't, even in canon, they didn't really touch it. There's only one other Yoda-like uh, creature ever, and that's in episode one, uh, Yaddle. Yaddle. Uh, the female, you know, version there, of she's Yoda. She's on the council, right? She's on the and council. And then she's just gone. And then no explanation, no story. And Lucas uh, apparently was kind of holding, you know, on to this origin, uh, Yoda origin story. Um, <clears throat> so... Yeah, I'm wondering in the Star Wars universe, is there do they also like is is Yoda's origin still surrounded by mystery, or is there a planet of Yodas out there and people are like, oh no, he's just another one of these guys? It but seems mysterious. It seems it I seems think the Mandalorian re- this episode yeah. reinforces the idea that Yoda is truly unique, um, and I love it because it's Yoda baby. Yep, it's Yoda baby, and right, maybe gonna, he's born of the Force. I want to I want to change uh, I want to change gears here for just a second. Well, that's our recap. I think we're done. Uh, we got some comic books. Well, I mean, uh, we're done with the Mandalorian oh, yes. chapter one. Yes, that's what And Mandalorian chapter two comes out tomorrow, Friday. Friday. And we will be uh, back on Monday to talk about it. We'll have our uh, podcast released Monday to talk about that. Absolutely. But now it is time for comic book talk. Comic with book Tim. talk. Um, so I'm not going to go too much because, again, we, we went pretty long here and this was our basis. I, I am going to get us caught back up on comic books. I want to talk about them. I really, really do. I'm sorry for those who. Who are listening and, and comment on the comic books? Papa Bear, we like them. Um, the Star Wars comic book is ending. Oh, um, the Star Wars comic book has taken place between episodes four and five. It's been a lot of fun, and they're about to do a uh, Hoth-based couple episodes, a uh, couple issues, and then episode five is what will happen. And then in January, it will restart at Star Wars number one um, with a basis of between episodes five and six. So that's going to be really cool. Stay tuned for that. We'll talk a lot. Uh, the uh, Allegiance book. I was actually a little upset about the Allegiance book. It finished really well, but I'm afraid that it might have given me more information about Rise of Skywalker than I wanted. Fear leads to anger. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm getting a little anger too. So <laughs> um, I don't like spoilers, and, and I feel like it gave us a little. It 
if I'm thinking the story is going to go where it's going to go, or I think it's going to go, then then they may have given us a little bit too much um, Yoda, in baby. this last episode of Allegiance. Or, uh, I keep saying episode. This last issue of Allegiance. Um, so if you are not interested in spoilers, don't do that. I'm actually not going to say anything about it beyond that because I don't want to know. I don't. I don't want to. I, I have to listen there. to Tim. So um, so that's where we're at for comic books. We got uh, something coming out today. We do? I don't have my list. I don't know where my list went. Um, uh, we've got another book coming out today. I'm going to go to the store in about 20 minutes and get it. We'll talk about, about it about 20 minutes from now because y'all know what time it is. What time? Okay. You know what time it is. It's time to wrap up. Yeah. So on Monday, November 18th, we will be back with our next podcast installment uh, dealing with The Mandalorian Chapter 2. But uh, I guess that's it for today, right? I think so. So for now, I'm Jim. And I'm Tim. And this is Our our Certain certain Point point of view. View. Have a good day, everyone. Audio One.